welcome you to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. My name is Letitia Shelton, currently in Fiji for six weeks and having the privilege of catching up with just amazing people in this country. And today I'm speaking to a um, a young man called Ben Morrison. He's a pastor. I would call him an entrepreneur. He thinks outside the box. They're doing great stuff in the community. So welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for having me, uh, Letitia. It's good. Um, you, you've kind of had a bit of a different background. You haven't lived in Fiji forever. Tell us a bit of your story and journey. Yeah, well, um, well, I grew up here. I was born in Suva. Um, I, uh, I went to a primary school in Asinu, Gospel Primary. Uh, but then at around 12 years old, we moved to America where I, uh, um, I was in middle school and all throughout high school in America before coming back to Fiji. Um, with my family, um, yeah, studied at University of South Pacific, uh, but also was privileged to uh, go and study music at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Uh, did a little bit of traveling uh, for business uh, ventures uh, a little after that, and um, then God called me back to Fiji to uh, get back into full-time ministry, and uh, here I am today. I'm so thankful that God calls good people back to Fiji because I see a huge amount leaving. <laughs> so it's um, when I met you two weeks ago, I was like, there is hope um, because God hasn't given up on Fiji. Um, and so it's really exciting. Uh, as a pastor here in the city, you've been gathering together with a few other pastors. You, you mentioned you've got a heart for unity. Just talk a bit more about why the unity of the church is so important, especially when seen mission and, and reaching Suva? Yeah, well, I guess to backtrack a little bit, uh, me becoming a pastor was really not something that uh, I wanted to do. You know, if you'd asked me when I was 13 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Being a pastor was not even on the list. Um, and, uh, you know, I did well in my education, so I figured I'd go the, the normal route of pursuing a career. Um, and so I never really had this whole uh, pastoral mindset if you could call it or this uh, desire to be involved in ministry um, so when I came into pastoralship I came if, uh, if you could say uh, empty um, I was called to pastor a, a small church in Sabu Sabu um, and before before that I had never led a connect group um, I have never preached in church the only thing I did was play uh, in the worship team and lead the worship team. So I pretty much had no experience, no background in pastoralship uh, per se. So that kind of, uh, that was sort of a blessing in disguise for me at that moment. I, I felt like I was the last and the least candidate to be a pastor, um, which called me to uh, really seek God and just trust Him and learn, learn on the go and, and put some of the things that I had learned in other fields uh, into practice, but as I grew uh, into it and, and started discovering more of what you know it is to shepherd people, um, I begin to realize that it was sort of a blessing in disguise, in the sense that coming into ministry, I realized that there are certain mindsets within um, within pastoralship, generally speaking. Uh, especially here in Fiji, there's sort of this culture that had been established, that has been established, and I, I sort of stepped into that circle, and I begin to realize that 
Um, there were great things about what the church is doing, and I, I for one, am a product of the church. I, I, uh, I could not say that I could, I'm, you know, I could be here without the, the work of the church, and, and obviously Christ being the center of the church. Um, so I'm very blessed to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ here in Fiji and, and the specific church that I'm a part of, which is uh, C3. Uh, but, um, but I also realize that there are certain mindsets that uh, have limited the church from really becoming all that God has called it to be and having the potential that it can have. I read a book by Lauren Cunningham um, around you know, the power of the Bible and how the Bible has transformed societies and, and governments and nations. And, and the book was centering around men and women who, when they moved into different countries and took the gospel and took you know, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, their work was more than just preaching. And uh, through the principles that they took with them that obviously reflect Christ and a Christ-like uh, and a, a God-centered in that sense, they were able to transform societies, and those transformations we still are in today. Um, for example, the transformation uh, and, and the development of the superpower of the world, America, you know, and, and other nations, other countries. So that book really changed my perspective towards the real impact that a church can have in a nation. And uh, that it's so much more than just gathering people and giving them hope that when they die they will get to heaven. And yes, that's part of our hope, that's part of our faith. But here and now, as we are here, there's so much that, uh, that can be done and there's so much light that we can bring in darkness and real change and transformation. Um, so with that, I, I realized that, you know, as... as pastors and, and, and as the church, there's so much we could do and, and I realized that one of the main barriers to that is unity. One of the things that keeps us from being all that God has called us to be is unity because we are essentially a body. We are a body of Christ uh, and the only way that the body can function is by being united and we've got so much uh, potential. There's so many great aspects of the different churches represented in Fiji that God has seen growing um, and uh, I feel like one of the things that that really needs to happen now is simply the uniting of the church and unity is, is not about uniformity it's not about looking the same or talking the same or you know um, singing the same or for, for that matter uh, it's it's really simply about agreeing that we are all working towards the same goals and what holds us together is really the same spirit which is the Holy Spirit and we have the same guiding principles, which is the Word of God, um, which should then motivate us to, to work together and, and be able to put our differences aside. So, yeah, that's sort of the, the motivation be behind my desire as to why I'd like to see Fiji United, and not just for myself, I'd like to see it for my children and grandchildren. You know, what, what would it look like if the church in Fiji were united and we, we were able to stand together and and, and really manifest the, the nature and the likeness of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it would be amazing. Um, and we say quite a lot that the biggest sin in a city is the disunity of the church. We, we want to point our fingers at all the other sins, but uh, if, if the church got as mad um, about their own disunity as they do over the governments <laughs> um, and did something about it, we would see a lot of change. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you mentioned that book that you read from Lauren Cunningham. 
uh, about how the Bible's changed society. Um, and when we look back on my nation and Fiji and New Zealand, America, these nations were established on the Bible. Uh, the church plant, you know, the church would go into community and start a school, <laughs> a hospital. But we've so lost sight of that, haven't we? So why do you think the church of Fiji has withdrawn from society, more or less? Well, that's to simplify the answer, uh, I would say it's um, self. I think for me, to come to Christ is to die to self. And many of the missionaries that left their homes could not have left their homes and made the sacrifices if they had wanted to fulfill self-driven desires or motivations. And it was based on those motivations that they made and the sacrifice that they made to, to be obedient to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and to be guided by Scripture, um, we were able to see the transformation that's happened around us. And so it's, it comes back to this whole dying to self and, and not being self-motivated or self-driven. And I feel like, you know, we've, we've, we as a church are somehow we have found ourselves trying to uh, be the church of Jesus Christ and yet still hold on to certain cultures and mindsets that are actually, uh, if I could say, anti-Christ, in the sense they are not what Christ did or how he lived or how he moved. And, um, you know, the, the world around us is so self-driven and self-motivated. Um, every, uh, uh, you know, business, most businesses you see around us uh, which are thriving, they are, they are built on this desire to see that business growing uh, itself. Um, and, and so, you know, we see that culture around us. So I feel like where, why we have sort of come away from you know, the, the impact that the church has had at some point um, is because we've sort of reverted to living for ourselves rather than living for Jesus Christ. And I think once we can deal with that, uh, the issue of self and dying to self and denying self, then we'll be able to truly uh, be obedient to the Holy Spirit and, and truly walk in the footsteps of Christ uh, uh, and then ultimately be able to be the impact that, that God's called us to be. There's a lot of pressure on pastors to grow a church, to look successful, and I think that's where um, that a lot of that comes from. And the reason why we're discussing this in the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific, especially when I'm dealing with a lot of abuse and, and the issues of porn, these problems aren't going away because the church isn't engaging in society. Uh, they're not being the salt and the light. I think sometimes we expect the government to fix everything, but God's anointed us to set the captives free. And so as the church can lay down its um, agendas for the bigger picture, we make a difference. And, and you're seeking to do that with your church. Uh, you've gotten involved in a specific area in your community, particularly around juveniles. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, well, a, f a few years ago, uh, we had um, a few uh, uh, people um, that we were connected to who had a passion to step into the juvenile centre. Uh, we've also had a heart for working with uh, people who are on the streets. And I think it's just, you know, an, an overflow of, of the nature of Christ 
which is to uh, you know take care of those that uh, are unable to take care of themselves, the marginalized, the broken, the abused. Uh, so we, we decided to focus in on the juvenile center and uh, you know we we ended up establishing an NGO called uh, Inspire Pacific. Uh, and so uh, our work with the juvenile center is really focused on helping uh, to reintegrate these young men back into society in a way where they can be productive uh, members of society and uh, and uh, and um, yeah give back to their communities um, and so to be able to do that we've had to deal with a lot of things in the young men themselves what caused them to come into the center what are the issues <coughs> and it's been a quite interesting journey there's so many things that we've uh, discovered along the way there's so many things that we've um, we've realized about uh, uh, our communities and our shortfalls and why they are why we have this kind of young men who uh, who have uh, the tendency to be on the wrong side of the law. Uh, one of the things we've uh, discovered is that all of the young men that come into the, the juvenile detention center, they all come from broken homes. Or they come from a home where, um, you know, one parent is an alcoholic or is abusive. Uh, some sort of issue in the home has has had a direct uh, consequence on the development of this child specifically in terms of the character which has led them down the wrong path you could say and ended up in wrong crowds and and what you know how they eventually ended up in the um, juvenile center so uh, yeah our work there is is not just trying to help them where they are but trying to deal with things that they've been battling with and eventually guide them to the place where they would like to be in, and helping them discover that you know they that God created them with with worth and with value and they're unique and uh, and then helping you know guide them along that path towards them discovering and that's the the big thing is helping them discover it on their own um, as opposed to us telling them what they need to do or what they should do uh, uh, so that's that's sort of the the work that we're doing in the center is helping these boys be integrated back into society. It's um, it seems to be a growing issue with the juveniles. Every month, the Department of Public Prosecutions releases their statistics, and we are noticing a, a higher trend of juveniles involved in raping each other, younger people. Um, and so, again, how do we get on, when you say a lot of these? Um, especially the guys come from fatherless homes. And I say that a lot. Um, we don't have an abuse issue. We have a fatherless issue um, in all of our nations. It's, we're living in a global orphanage. Uh, there's a crisis going on. So how do we actually, I mean, it's great what you're doing with the young boys. How do we get to society and help the fathers of Fiji? Well, you know, when I look around uh, today and I look at how we deal with issues, what I see happening the most is more so a reactive measure to issues and problems that are happening in society and specifically with the juvenile center but not limited to the juvenile issue there's so many things that are happening around us where we're sort of on the back foot you know trying to deal with issues as they arise so I think we have to come to the place uh, first the realization that the best way is to be proactive rather than reactive uh, if we are to really uh, deal with these issues in a real practical way. But 
in order to be proactive about an issue, we have to first understand the dynamic of that issue um, so that we can then deal uh, strategically and effectively with that issue. Now, the, the, the challenge is the way we deal with issues in a, in a society is based on our worldview. And it's based on how we see life. It, it's based on our perspective of, of, of uh, society and the world. Um, and I believe that the biblical worldview is really the, the one worldview that offers the, the greatest evidence of how and, and why, um, uh, maybe if I could say, it, it offers the greatest evidence as to how we can be the best that we are created to be. Um, and the biblical worldview offers that. So we see that evidence with nations where people have gone in, taken the Bible, taken its precepts, its precepts, its principles, they've applied it, seen transformation, because the reality is the Bible offers, if I could say, the absolute truth around what life is and what we need to be doing in life and how we are to live out the best life. So when you look at the Bible for that reason, we see that the beginning of life as humanity began in a garden and it began in the family institution with Adam and Eve and the devil uh, in his uh, attack against God's purpose and plans uh, to create and uh, to see humans subduing and, and dominating and, you know, and, and subduing the world as God's plan was what he did was he broke the family apart. He came in between Eve and Adam and we all know the story, deceived, Adam, uh, deceived Eve, sorry. Uh, and, and then we see straight after Adam and Eve, we see the generation after that, we start seeing this bickering that happens in the home where Cain kills Abel and, and that has flowed until today. And so the reason I bring this up is, is if we are to see the issues in society being dealt with, we have to go back to that because if that is the absolute truth about life and how we are to live, then we need to be able to, to take on what, what the Bible has prescribed to us as how we are to live. And uh, when we look at the Bible, it, it talks about the family and the home as the most important institution. When in our relationship with Christ, Paul compares it, uh, our relationship with Christ, uh, he makes this comparison between a, a husband and a wife to our relationship with Christ, um, which, which basically um, just sheds so much light on how important the family institution is beginning from uh, a husband and a wife. And we could look into scripture and see so many, uh, um, so many truths around this, that the home is the, the sort of the founding um, institution from which society is able to thrive and grow. And so if we can deal with that, if we can help our homes be stronger, there's so many issues um, that can uh, be dealt with, uh, if not all the issues that we face in society can be dealt with. And, and so for that reason, um, you know, there needs to be a, a, a realization, understanding of how important the father figure is in the home, the mother figure is in the home, the uh, home environment is, how important um, the two as, as parents, the kind of environment they create for children to grow in. This has uh, so much uh, importance in terms of not just building the family but building society. And if anything, what we see today is, is 
what the family lacks to do has had a ripple effect into society. Um, and so for that reason, uh, you know, I, I agree with, with the fact that uh, we really need to focus and, and, and put an emphasis on building stronger homes and, and especially um, having uh, men being raised and, and uh, growing to the understanding of what it is to be a good father. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more and I listened to all that you've said and there's a lot of churches in Fiji and 64% of the nation goes to church. <laughs> and I'm sure they would fully agree with what you've just said um, and they might even preach it. So, but, so where are we going wrong? Because if, you know, in a nation where so many people are attending church, they would agree with that, but it's not happening <laughs> at all. So what, what's, what do we need to diagnose here? Well, again, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, all the decisions we have is based on our worldview, and worldview is something that is not—it's not that easy to change, and it takes a long time to build, which is why it's so hard to change, and we don't realize how our worldviews are established on so many things in our society, in our home, what we grow up around, um, and so what what sort of happens when we come to Christ? You know, there's there's this work that takes place within us um, where we have the Holy Spirit that God gives to us who is to be our counsellor and his work is to lead us into this place where we are humbled enough and softened enough to, to have a change of mind Paul says you know transformation can't happen unless there's the renewing of the mind uh, so that's the greatest battle that's happening within us it's the renewing of the mind um, you know which is it, which is all of these things worldview your perspective priorities how you see life um, so my point is that I think where the challenge is is in letting go of old world views. Uh, and specifically, when you look at the Fijian context, when we grow up, there is a perception of what it is to be a father that is sort of uh, taught and inbuilt into Fijian men. And that's done through culture, it's done through tradition, it's done through what we see other men doing in our villages. And, and to be honest, uh, it's not the best picture of a father. But the thing is, if that's all we know of what it means to be a father, then that's really, all the, that's really the only kind of father that we can be. Um, so, you know, we're growing up in that society as young Fijians. We have this idea of father, and, and every other society has their own picture of what it means to be a father, and their own idea of what it means to be a father, again, based on culture, based on traditions. Um, and I think this is where it's absolutely amazing when we come to Christ. One of the first things that we realize that Christ brings revelation to is the truth of our Heavenly Father. That, that there is one that is above us and greater than us who is not just Creator, who is not just God. He is our Heavenly Father. And so what needs to happen is, as believers, as Christians, we need to come to this understanding of who the Father is. And everything that Jesus did was based on what the Father showed him, what the Father taught him, what the Father told him to do, he would do likewise. And so he's the picture of the perfect son in that sense, because he was walking as his Father spoke to him or uh, would reveal to him uh, through the Holy Spirit. And, and he is our Father today. So I think where we, uh, where we need to shift into is we need to 
change our worldview and our mindset of what it means to be a father so that it's no longer defined by tradition, it's not defined anymore by culture, um, but it is defined by who our father is. And as we see him, as we know him, that we can be uh, like him um, in the sense to walk in his, his character and his nature and ultimately in his power, just as the sun reflects. In the Bible, Jesus says that when you see me, you see the Father. And imagine what that would look like if men in Fiji, especially Christians, uh, could say the same thing, that I am uh, desiring or aspiring to arrive at the place that when you see me, you see the Heavenly Father. And I think if we can get to that place, um, you know, that would bring so much change in, in how we see, as fathers, how we see our wives, how we see our children, uh, our responsibility, our priorities. So it will go back to uh, what I would say, knowing the Father. Yeah, and um, our Heavenly Father paints a, quite a very different picture to the traditional Fijian father who can quite be authoritarian, um, in some cases abusive. Um, it's my way or the highway, whereas the Heavenly Father, his, I love the story of the prodigal son, you know, who just um, laid down his life to run out to a son who had done the worst that, that could possibly do. Um, and so... Unfortunately, we don't have that. And also, you mentioned another uh, fascinating insight into juveniles and what you've noticed about their background. You know, um, firstly, yeah, the father issue. A lot of them are fatherless or maybe come from, they just don't get on with their father. What was the other issue around church? Because I think these two things go together. Yeah, well, um, you know, most of the young boys that come into the centre, um, they've come from churches. Um, th there was a statistic that we were able to uh, have a look at as, as part of a, a board of an organization where we discovered that, um, that the prisons in Fiji, 96% uh, of our prisons, 96% uh, of inmates, sorry, in our prisons uh, were actually professed Christians. And so that was quite alarming um, when we think of the fact that, it, that in church we are taught uh, not to do wrong and not to do bad, and not to do evil. Uh, yet we find that you know, there are more Christians in prisons than those who are not Christians. So um, that, and that I, 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 I believe that could easily translate across the board to uh, you know, even the juvenile center. Um, but that raises a, a, a deep concern uh, in, in terms of what are we as the church teaching, what environment are we creating for those who are part of the church, and how are we helping their development and their growth. Um, because for 96% of prisoners to come from churches, it, it means that whatever it is that they've been taught or have received, uh, it has not helped them, um, you know, sort of come away from this place that they're in um, so yeah that, that's a concern and it caused me to ask a lot of questions around what are we teaching um, you know are we are we guiding our young men um, and women to the place where they can um, walk in true righteousness and morality and make uh, 
choices that will help them to grow and not, and not take them backwards in society? I think these are some of the questions that I had. I asked myself these questions first as a pastor. You know, what am I doing? What am I teaching? How am I uh, being a part of that? So I think that raises a concern for all churches as well here in, in Fiji for us to begin to really ask ourselves, what are the practical uh, fruits of what we're teaching and what we're preaching our people? How, how, is, how is that being manifest in their lives, in their homes, in their everyday lives. And, and yes, we can, uh, we can preach, uh, you know, till Jesus returns. But if we're not preaching truth, people will continue to live in bondage. So the real question, I guess, is are we preaching the truth? And as we know, the scripture says that, uh, you know, the truth will set people free. So what we see is people may be going to church, but still in bondage. Um, and so there really needs to be um, not so much a, a work of trying to critically analyze our sermons because that's you know we could go about it in two ways okay let's let's try to analyze what are we teaching and 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 go back to you know doctrine and go back to all of these things but i think the most important thing is we really need to come to the place of, of submission to the holy spirit and asking you know coming to this place where lord god what what are we doing that's not right what do we need to change um so that uh, we can see the manifestation of freedom and life in our people yeah, I mean, Jesus, obviously, when he discipled his disciples, they didn't just sit in a building and learn. <laughs> so are we, and we ask ourselves this in Australia always, because we're losing young people, you know, right across the church, left, right and centre. Um, and so are we, te- is it about more or right teaching? Or is it about taking them on a journey to experience Jesus? And yes, you learn as you go. Because uh, I think, yeah, we don't give our young people a big enough vision. Um, they just sit in church, be good, turn to youth group. But, you know, at, as a teenager, I was involved in mission work. I was able to give out. I was beginning to find my giftings. I was becoming alive in God. So it wasn't just sitting in church listening to a whole bunch of... Um, and I think sometimes we think if we preach harder or longer <laughs> and louder, <laughs> we're going to get results. But I... I just look at the way we model church. Um, you know, we're not taking people onto an adventure. And this is why in America they've found out young people are leaving the church and joining ISIS because you get given a gun, you get to go to war, you get to do something, fight for a greater cause. And in church, you know, we always joke in Australia, you, you might get to be the car park attendant, you know, <laughs> uh, which is important and, and we need that, but it's not the be all and end all. Um, so anyway, I'm preaching now, but um, I think we've got to look at how we're doing church and, and are we giving our young people something exciting and are they experiencing Jesus' work through them, not just watching the pastor. <laughs> anyway, look, time has gone, but um, Ben, I just so appreciate your heart and what you're doing and you're doing a lot more in the community besides um, the juveniles, but thank you for it and um, keep up the great work and keep pulling together the pastors across this city and uh, just as as we finish just tell us you're currently building a house in your village and relocating there with your family why yeah well uh, I'm from uh, a village called Obea uh, in uh, call it the district of Mbao uh, in Tailevu province of Tailevu um, I grew up in the city most of my life, so you can call me a city boy. But I, real, I, I, I understand that there is a purpose, uh, and God has a purpose for everything that he has created about us and where we're from. 
and uh, yeah, just hear God's voice leading me and calling me back to my people, so to speak, and uh, and being light to them. And it's this whole idea of starting from Jerusalem, you know, trying to change the world and impact so many people, why not start at home? And I think that's one of the things that God's really just sort of highlighted to me is, Ben, the, your greatest mission is at home, which begins with my children, begins with my wife, my family. As a pastor, it's so easy to get consumed with ministry and focus on everybody else and forget about the people that really God has placed in your direct uh, responsibility. And, and so, you know, God's calling me to focus in on my home, uh, my family, and, and my people, uh, my village, and, and really uh, extend to them the love of God and the love of the Father that He has so generously revealed to me and uh, in whatever way that He calls me and leads me to. And so yeah, that's the journey that I'm on now and with my family, and I'm excited about it. And um, I want to encourage more Fijians to, to understand that they've, they've been given so much and, and so many things uh, and to, uh, you know, to make the change and start at home. That's awesome. Well, thank you for not just being a disruptive voice, but um, you've got disruptive actions, <laughs> uh, living what you preach. So thank you and God bless. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain beneath that bull smile Come out from hiding the sun is rising Let the islands hear reason Let cry